Welcome to We Got Your Mac from SHI. If you're an enterprise executive or business leader trying to decide if Mac adoption at scale is right for your organization, this is the show for you. In each episode, we dive into what it means to adopt the Mac platform at scale and how to get there quickly, with minimum disruption to your users and IT teams. This week's hosts are Victoria Barber and Kevin English. So for enterprises eyeing the Mac platform, the journey can seem daunting. But with the right insights and tools, this transition can be incredibly rewarding. Today, we're joined by Henry Patel, a beacon of Mac management world, to shed light on this very journey from Apple's foundational strategies to the tailored solutions of Jam. Welcome to the show, Henry. Well, thank you. Happy to be here. So, Henry, I'm going to dive right in. So you've been deeply rooted in both Apple and the Jamf world for 10, 20 years, like can't even count any longer. Can you highlight the unique value proposition you think Mac brings to the enterprise table? Yeah, absolutely. And my career spans, as you said, many decades. And um, and I started my career at Apple as an SE. So had both the technical and the business side of the Apple ecosystem. I think there's several areas that I think there's high value in terms of Apple, a unique value proposition. You think just about the design and build quality. The hardware is usually... You know, one of the areas that Apple exceeds, you know, expectations. And then you wrap around the macOS ecosystem around it, both from a macOS perspective and more so lately around all the extensions that they've built around iCloud and around some of their services that they build around it. So I think there's significant amount of value add that they've built over a period of time. But then there's really interesting capabilities that I use personally, and I'm pretty sure you both use it too, where they look at user productivity and how do you have a seamless you know, experience when you have multiple Apple devices like handoff, airdrop, continuity. I use those quite a bit. That's compelling. So you're saying the halo effect then of consumer iPhone, iPad use has a major impact on the enterprise for Mac. Absolutely. I think productivity, when you look at how do you use the technology to be more efficient, those are key areas that I think Apple is looking at. Now, there's the personal productivity side, and then there's the enterprise you know, compliance side, too, which you know, I think many folks look at, right, because AirDrop does create some areas of concern around compliance and, and data protection, but there are many tools out there that help support some of these capabilities where you can deploy these the Apple capabilities, but also try to find ways to protect the, the data and IP that you have. Yeah, that's the thing I thought was most compelling about Mac and the enterprise is security, or at least the number one thing that C-level folks think about at night when they want to deploy these things. Yeah, one of the things I find is that because I've got my personal iPhone and my work iPhone, they get too close together. They start wanting to have conversations with each other, whether I want them to or not. So I can see why that might might potentially be an issue. But as you said, you know, the productivity advantages of knowing you can just move from one device to the other and everything will be there. Or if, like me, you get on a train and you've forgotten everything other than your phone, you know you can at least continue to work with what you would have if you'd remembered to put your laptop in your bag. Yeah. And and to address the enterprise capabilities there, you know, there's 
if you've watched what Apple's done with BYOD functionality, I think that's an area that I think is going to enhance what the enterprise needs, especially when you bring in your personal device, but you want to access you know, corporate applications with your personal device, especially on an iPhone, right? On the Mac, it's typically institutionally owned, but on, on these other devices, there's capabilities that Apple's thinking ahead and saying, how do we still provide this data protection layer between a personal device and an institutional application that the user needs to utilize? Yeah, because it's very different. We know the iPhone started out primarily as a consumer device. There's a lot of difference between what you want from an enterprise device and a consumer device, but that's what people people wanted to use. And it certainly developed more enterprise-friendly capabilities. And unlike me, I think most people don't want to be carrying two phones around either. I do not have an iPhone stack. I have one phone. It's personal. It's business. It's big enough in my pocket. I don't need two of them. Well, I carry, I carry a bag, Kevin, so, you know. <laughs> I do too now, actually. So you mentioned that, you know, that businesses are, might have concerns around security with things like airdrop. We've seen that businesses can be a little bit apprehensive about large-scale Mac integrations. I know Kevin and I have talked in the past about being responsible for small pockets of Macs within a larger PC environment. But what are some of the groundbreaking things that Jamf has introduced to help people get over this, this fear of, of more Macs and, and help them to be more integrated rather than those annoying people off to the side who use something different? Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that, um, that I talk about when people ask me about, hey, how did we help many organizations succeed, right, in getting up and running with their Mac platform and their Mac strategy. Uh, first and foremost, Apple does a really good job of educating or trying to educate customers about, hey, don't treat the Mac as a Windows device, number one, right? Second thing is that, you know, people do look at, you know, the Mac as a sort of a one-off or unique. And so, you know, a lot of the work that we have to do is really help them understand you can still employ some of the principles around compliance, security, management, on the Mac, but yes, there is a vernacular and a way to do it on the Mac. Has that resonated with the enterprise, Henry? The fact that you don't manage Windows the same way as you manage Mac? It's still a work in progress, right? It's still definitely a work in progress. When you look at a lot of the uh, folks that are out there who are typically Windows administrators that you know struggle because they're given the task of, hey, go manage the Mac, you know, in those environments they struggle, but those who realize that, hey, if we're going to support the Mac in the right way, we need to bring that expertise in or scale up pretty significantly. Those are the areas that you see success or start to see success, right? You know, a good example is several years ago in 2015, you know, we work with IBM when they set up their Mac practice, right? They had Macs. They were managed in a very different way, but they wanted to scale up. And so, you know, we went in there with them and talked about how they could do that with Jamf, but they themselves realized that they needed bringing the right talent, right? And the right talent wasn't just in the administrative portion of it, right? It's not just the technical implementation. It was also the backend technical support, right? They built a Apple-specific, you know, help desk. They brought in people who knew Apple, who knew the Mac, who knew iPhones, right? Because that expertise you can't teach overnight. That takes time 
And so they wanted to accelerate the support capability. And in the end here, when you look at the data that, you know, Fletcher Previn at then was at IBM proved was that, hey, you could scale with the Mac. You could do it cost effectively and you can do it efficiently, right? The data was showing up that, hey, you needed less people to manage the Mac environment. You needed less people to, you know, manage uh, from a technical uh, support standpoint. You know, so there was a lot of great data then and that continues this uh, the same kind of data still continues to show that the Mac is definitely a cost-effective solution that can be deployed at scale if you take the right steps to do it. And I think it's it's great that that data has been made public because so often people are trying to put these business cases together based on anecdotal data. They're not really finding the numbers that give them the solid business case they need. So with Fletcher making that information publicly available from a customer perspective rather than a vendor perspective, I think it's going to really help people when they're building those business cases because it, it is something that people struggle with at times. Yeah, and the the thing about that, is what's important to know, it's not just a one and done, right? Uh, it's not a one-hit wonder. He did it again at Cisco, right? Yeah. And so he's showing that, you know, you can apply principles to get to that level of scale and to get to that level of uh, efficiency that, you know, people want to get to, right? Choice is a big thing right now. People, when you hire, you know, the the crowd that comes out of college, they want to have choices, right? They have different beliefs than maybe when we started in our careers. And there's a different generation that really looks at, hey, I want to be happy. I want to be productive. I want to do fun things. And you know, and I want to have choice. And so that is a reality that many are facing is how do you introduce choice, right? And that's the struggle that people go through. And that's why we exist, right? Our essence of existence is that, hey, you know, we know there's a number of challenges, right? And those challenges are, you know, a variety of ones. One from, A, understanding what Apple is to, hey, how do we support the Mac in an environment that is predominantly Windows? How does it work on the network? Breakthrough was around zero touch, which was a big buzzword. It's now like marketing-esque, but the -the over-the-air provisioning, the ability to securely do updates was a big thing in the enterprise. Microsoft had SCCM, but Apple with Apple Business Manager had the ability to provision over the air. Talk to me a little bit about when you had the epiphany that you needed identity and access in order to complete the zero touch sort of um, solution, Henry. Yeah, I mean, I think when uh, when we think go back and take a look at uh, you know what were the barriers to getting you know more Mac in the enterprise, right? And when we talk to our customers in a roundtable, we'd be thinking about ways of what can we do to help you, right? On the management side, I think you know people know that we're sort of the Mac leader in that space, and we're the Apple leader in that sense uh, across all platforms related to Apple. But a lot of what the barriers were around were InfoSec and and CISOs, right? And so how do you provision a device more securely, right? Versus the old way of just imaging and then allowing someone to log in after a device was imaged. How do you do it more dynamically? So the zero touch approach was you needed to have a way to identify that that person who had the Mac was who they said they were. Right. And how do you actually get to that? There was no way to do that upon provisioning. It was a post provisioning process. And 
you know, we started to look at capabilities out there and, and we acquired a company, you know, back in the day, Orchard and Grove product, uh, open source product called Nomad, which now is called uh, Jamf Connect, which allowed us to do that, right? Which allowed us to create an environment where during provisioning, you would actually be able to create a account and log in uh, to the uh, Mac using your network credentials because it identified who you are. You were authenticated. And now it wasn't a concern about who you were. But yes, it is a very important piece of it. Second reason, the third reason why it's important is it's not just um, about who you are logging into the applications or making it seamless to log into you know, applications without having to log in multiple times. It's also by, about you know, the health of the device, right? And we could use capabilities around what we typically see called conditional access, right? Or device attestation. Is that device secure? What we do with our security products is really identify, you know, is that device really secure based on the uh, compliance requirements that the company has set forth? And then when a user is trying to access applications, it'll it'll give them permission if they're, you know, if they have all, if they have all the right tooling in place, and if they're secure, they'll give them access to the right uh, applications. If not, it'll cut them off, right? That's huge. Uh, we work with a lot of highly regulated industries, pharma, banking, defense, right? They want to know that there's no malicious, you know, mm-hmm. fail point on that device from the factory or if it's in the integration center at one of their, their bars. So device health tells you every time you log in whether or not that device is safe. That That's interesting for zero touch Zero trust has become the new buzzword. Is that a real thing? Like, what is that? That is what I just described is that one of the elements of zero trust, right? So there's zero touch on the provisioning and how you can do it. And then there's the security layers and the right security layers to get you to that zero trust. And that's what we've been focused on over the last couple of years is really trying to bring that forth to the Apple community, right? Around zero trust. And how do you do it in a way where you don't lose the the essence of the Mac, right? And that's the key point here is how do we how do we implement it? We're we're at the early stages of zero trust where I think people are were curious and interested the last 18 months, two years. Now there's probably more people that are going to dip their toe, do POCs, really understand and really understand how this can evolve their whole security posture. As you know, Henry, you know. Our aim with this podcast was to help leaders and decision makers in enterprises understand why and how they should be approaching Mac adoption at scale. So I think it would be really helpful for them for you to to talk uh, through a transformative success story where you've worked with a business and seen them get significant benefits following on from that Mac adoption. Yeah. IBM's was our first foray into a large scale. We've had, you know, large scale customers before that IBM story, but IBM's one that we kind of compacted the timeline, really started to look at zero touch to Kevin's point and how do we accelerate that and how do we make it step one, step two, there's no step three, right? That's where, you know, we really started to dig in and look at those workflows and some great data came out of that. The one that I think is important to note is that, you know, when you see it once, you want to see it again and replicate it. We have many examples of that in terms of, um, you know, customers that have adopted technology choice programs, boosted productivity, employee happiness, et cetera. 
But more recently, you know, Fletcher came back on stage over at, at JNUC and talked about Cisco and what Cisco has been doing. You know, they're about 130,000 employees, over 100 countries. They're 24 or percent of PC users have chosen to switch to the Mac. So there's some real data there, right? If you implement the Mac the right way, there's an adoption capability here, right? So when when you think about giving choice, especially at Cisco, 60% of Cisco employees choose the Mac today, right? And, and I think that's a huge, huge number to think about. That's not to say that, hey, you know, you should go flip or you expect to flip on the Mac. That'd be ideal. Apple would love it, right? But we know it's a hybrid environment. There are departments that will adopt the Mac much easier than others and that others need to see that, hey, it's a value to their business. But I think, you know, some of the data points, you know, I think that are important to understand is like there were 33% fewer IT admins required to support the Mac, right? That's huge. Just think about the labor itself. And that's that's replicating the, the success they, you know, Fletcher had at IBM, which is to show and demonstrate. That's not to take away from the other technical support, you know, teams. It's more of, hey, if you had to do it from the from scratch, if you did it the right way with the right the right principles of of how what the outcomes are, you can you can get there. I love the way that they get the Mac devices at Cisco. There, there's this beautiful new hire kit when you join and you got your Mac and you got all your dongles and you got some instructions and you have your display. It, the underpinning of that, though, is the ease of use of over the air provisioning with JAMF technology and the zero trust capabilities. And so I, I think the Cisco story is is massive. Yeah. And I, and I think what, what was interesting about that, Henry, is, and you mentioned it at the beginning, is there are clear data points on not just that people are choosing this because it's their preferred way of working, but it is, and, and not just that IT are reaping the benefits of, of the fewer support calls, but actually that the business is showing improved productivity. Now, I guess some of that is if you've got 33% fewer IT admins supporting those staff, that means potentially those staff have 33% less time spent with dealing with the help desk, right? But there was some really good data in, in there, wasn't there, about how it actually helped people, not just to be more productive, I thought, but actually I think you, you think there was data on actually they were more effective as well. Yeah, you know, when you look at some of the data they released, it was around about 10% increase for the sales team and productivity, right? Deal creation. You look at, you know, 11% surge in bookings, 10% acceleration deal closure. Those are stats they created, right? It'll differ depending upon different companies and how they adopt and, you know, how they leverage. You know, software engineers put out 12% more, you know, code when using a Mac. So, these are data points they shared, right? And they're just amazing. You know, the other thing when we think about productivity is, you know, it's not, it, it's using the platform to be productive, but it's also reducing downtime. So when you think about cyber threats, you think about, you know, it's five times fewer in terms of cyber threats on the Mac. And obviously, if you have the right tooling around it, you can even reduce that further and also get notification that things are happening. You can be more proactive about it. Uh, one interesting thing that I thought was a standout is, you know, you have security as a main pillar here for many security and compliance. You know, one of the things that people worry about is that you can only control what you can control. And when a user is in front of a device, right, you know, they want to leverage a lot of the capabilities of the platform for security. And one of the things biometrics, right, 
I use it all the time. My, my fingerprint, you mean? Yeah, your fingerprint. Okay, so now here's the interesting thing. Kevin knows I use both Mac and PC. I use biometrics on the Mac. I do not use them on the PC. So I think I am probably representative of that trend. Somebody yelled at me the other day because I do not use it on my Mac. I am afraid I'm going to forget the password that I've had to replace multiple times. And so I don't I don't use it. Oh, that's okay, Kevin. You can write that down because nobody's going to break into your house. <laughs> if they can't get to it, this is the thing, you know, it's not vulnerable having it on a piece of paper in your house anymore because people are going to try to break in through the back back of your laptop, not through the front. There you go. But that's that's in- interesting, Kevin. You don't, 89% of uh, Mac users at Cisco leverage the biometrics, use the fingerprint, right? 29% of PC users use it. So you think about, and, and obviously it depends on the, the hardware capabilities and stuff like that. But I think, you know, what's interesting is that is that when you use these additional capabilities, it does boost your security. We had Matt Carry on a few episodes ago, and he mentioned using Intune for his Macs. That's about 150 system engineers that use Intune for their Macs. But more broadly, uh, we are using Jamf for, for our organization. We appreciate that, Kevin. Thank you. You're welcome. What I'd, I'd like to take away from this, what are the key pieces of advice you'd give to people who are sitting on the fence and unsure about Mac adoption, they're they're looking at it, they want to do it, but they're kind of sitting there on the fence, getting uncomfortable and knowing that they really ought to jump, but they're not quite confident enough to do it. Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, one of the things that I think some base baseline stuff for people to do is if they've proven out their TCO, if they've not proved out the TCO, right, there's some great content out there to help you do that work with providers like you to, to, to do that as well. You know, Cisco, by the way, has put out a sample TCO spreadsheet on GitHub. Yeah, so if people can't find it on GitHub, it's on our website with episode three, I believe. Yeah, perfect. So I think, you know, that's, um, they should go review that, you know, episode and, and look at that link because I think that'll give them a framework to start if that has not been done already, there's going to be nuances in that TCO. Each company is different. You have to just go through it and don't assume you're going to get it done in a week, right? It's going to take a little bit of time, a little bit of conversation with different stakeholders within the organization. And the more data you need, the more higher level you're going to have to go. So really mapping out who the stakeholders are here, right? Why would this be important to the company, number one? Why would choice be important? Why would and who would be most interested in in helping kind of make choice happen because it's in their vested interest, right? So when you think about different stakeholders, right? If you if you we think about our HR team, right? Because they're recruiting people, right? Or trying to retain people, that's an important stakeholder. Clearly, finance is a stakeholder because they're going to want to know what is this thing going to cost, right? There's the acquisition cost versus the residual value. You know, Apple has different programs. You have different programs to help support it, right, in terms of leasing, et cetera. But you can realize the long-term benefit of the Mac, you know, because you do have that high residual value. The thing next to layer on is your, you know, your support teams. Like, hey, how much are we spending on, you know, supporting, you know, the Mac today, the PCs today? You know, do we have the right staffing? What if we brought in the right staffing? You may not be able to have that direct conversation, but your management layers may, right? And you need to go solicit that help. So there's some fundamental things is really just understanding if we want, if you want to bring choice into the program, 
Uh, if you're at the mid layer, then you got to work your way up. If you're a top layer, then you have access to a lot of stakeholders already. So it's about building the business case for it and talking to the right ones. Talk to your peers, right? There's a lot of peers out there. Talk to your service providers. They, you know, SHI has a lot of customers using Max, you know, tap into SHI and say, hey, who are these customers that we can potentially collaborate with? And at least just get a little bit of a sense of how they did it, uh, what we should be thinking about. So there's a lot of avenues to to take to get that done. But don't assume, again, it's going to be overnight. There's, uh, you know, there's a little bit of homework to do. Not going to happen by magic then. No. <laughs> Although I have to say uh, the work done by Fletcher, you know, is probably the fastest I've ever seen it go. So, well, this is great, Henry. Thank you very much, Henry, for joining us. Thank you, Kevin, as well, as always, and look forward to, to talking to you again soon. Thank you to our listeners. If you would like any more information, if you want to go back and have a look at that TCO calculator from Fletcher Previn, if you want to remind yourself of Dave Groover's episode on business cases, then go to wegotyourmac.com where you'll find lots more information and all of our previous episodes. And we'll be back soon with another episode. We Got Your Mac is produced by SHI International, a trusted global provider of end-user computing, hybrid infrastructure, and cybersecurity solutions to many of the world's most demanding technology users. SHI has more than 20 years' experience helping private and public sector organizations adopt Apple technologies and is an authorized Apple reseller. To be the first to hear or watch new episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and hit the notifications icon. Visit WeGotYourMac.com or SHI.com to solve what's next in delivering Mac at scale across your organization.